Hello everybody, I am Lucia Matuonto and welcome to the Relatable Voice podcast, a talk show where my guests and I talk about relatable everyday situations, books, and the environment we live in. Remember to subscribe and follow the podcast on social media so you can be notified when a new episode is available. Let's begin. Welcome back to the Relatable Voice podcast. On today's episode, the RV is traveling to Napa, California to speak with Lisa Skinner. Lisa is a behavioral specialist in the field of Alzheimer's and dementia. She's also an author, and her latest book is Turflies and Alzheimer's, which she co-authored. So, Lisa, welcome to the RV. Thank you so much for having me, Lucia. It's such a pleasure to be here. It's my pleasure, Lisa. First, because I'm talking to you. Second, because I am going back to California. We have some beautiful weather going on out here. So, yeah, California yeah it's a beautiful home. day. I can imagine. I'm jealous. <laughs> <laughs> so, Lisa, what is your favorite thing about living in California or Napa? I would have to say the weather because I have lived uh, all over the United States and I grew up here. I'm from California and I uh, really developed a new appreciation for the weather we have here because it's so nice most of the time. Uh, we do have the, the dreaded earthquakes, um, but, you know, um, we just kind of learn to live with them like other people live with hurricanes and bad weather and snowstorms and blizzards. But and what I love about living in Napa is not only is it just one of the most beautiful places on the planet, but the community here is very supportive and it's a strong community and people really help each other out. And I'm not from here, but my husband actually grew up here. I'm from the county next to Napa County. And um, I really, I've been here about nine years and it's so community oriented. And I think that that's a very difficult thing to find nowadays. So that's probably my favorite thing about living here is how strong the community is and how people just really help each other out and are concerned with one another. And so that's, it's a blessing. It really is. It is a blessing. You can help each other. This is, it's precious. It's not it easy. really is. And Lisa, you dedicated your career to helping people manage brain disease. I did. What made you go into this field? Part of it was accidental, but I'll tell you, it all began about 50 years ago with my grandmother. And I grew up only a few miles from living from where she lived. So I had a very special relationship with my grandmother. And when I was a teenager, 
I remember going to visit her and she proceeded to tell me these stories that were so far-fetched that they were just completely unbelievable, was telling me that these birds lived in her mattress and they would come out at night and peck at her face and that she would see rats running along her walls and that she proceeded to tell me about these men that were constantly trying to break into her home to harm her and to steal her personal belongings, her jewelry. And like I said, these stories were just so unbelievable, but I had never, ever, ever known my grandmother to lie or make things up or embellish stories. And I wanted so desperately to believe her, not to mention that she was very convincing. I, I remember one day I even led her into her bedroom and I said, Grandma, show me where these birds are so I can help you. Maybe we can um, get them outside. So I flipped her mattress up and looked underneath it. And I said, I'm not, I'm not seeing any place where these birds could be going in or out of your mattress. Can you show me where they are? And her answer was so brilliant. She just looked at me and she said, oh, Lisa, they're there, but they're very, very clever. And I learned later on throughout my 30-year career that that's one of the things that people who live with dementia become very masterful at is covering up for their false beliefs. And the thing that kind of made this story compelling for me and um, kind of turned into my lifetime work is my grandmother, unbeknownst to us, was calling the police three, four, five times a day to report the same stories that I just shared with you. And of course, at first they believed her and they sent the police officers to her house to check out her claims of the birds and the rats and um, the men trying to break into her home. And they, of course, couldn't find any evidence of anything because it was all in her mind. And, but these calls continued on a daily basis four, five, six times a day. She was desperate for the police to come and help her. She was scared to death. And so what the uh, police chief ended up doing was tracking my mother down and he came over to our house and I was sitting there and he said, ma'am, you really need to do something with your mother. She's a nutcase. And we can't continue to take these phone calls every day. We don't have the time. We don't have the resources. We've sent patrolmen out to um, check out our claims. There's nothing there. There is something seriously wrong with your mother. And when he called my grandmother a nutcase, that really stuck in my craw because I knew my mother wasn't nutty. I knew she didn't have a mental illness. I knew there was something wrong with her. She was changing and there had to be 
an explanation for it. Well, it turns out they diagnosed her with what was called back then senile dementia, which is synonymous with Alzheimer's disease. Mm -hmm. And the lack of empathy that the police officer obviously showed for my grandmother, he was, oh, she's, she's a nuisance. She is bothering us. Never once you know, empathetic to, gosh, you know, have you taken her to the doctor? It's just, you've got to do something with her. And that had has always to this very day bothered me. And then when I went off to college, I took a course in human behavior and I knew that's what I wanted to do because I've always been fascinated by People's behavior, what makes them do the things they do, especially when they're in certain settings like groups and on a jury and in schools and peer pressure. So I ended up getting my degree in human behavior. And then I had an opportunity to go to work for uh, in the elder care industry as a uh, behavior specialist counseling families on helping them understand the disease and doing the assessments for their loved one who um, they were considering placing in either the memory care or the assisted living. And I took the job thinking about my grandmother and that whole incident that happened uh, years earlier. And I knew immediately that that is what I was being called to do. It was such a perfect match for me. And since then, Lucia, I have had a total of eight family members who have developed one of the brain diseases that causes dementia. And I've had a dog, a pet dog, develop doggy dementia. So now, I mean, there's no question in my mind that this is what I was supposed to do with my life. And I've never looked back once. So that's kind of the situation that the unfolding events that led up to me being a behavior specialist. And I've been doing this professionally for about 30 years now. And um, I've loved every minute of it. I think it was your mission. I don't know if you believe that, but I do. Yeah. I completely do. Yes. I've been reminded of that time and time again. So, yeah, no, this was definitely my calling. It is your calling. And this work is truly one of the most selfless and noble acts of service one can provide, Lisa. Yeah, I think being a caregiver for somebody that lives with Alzheimer's disease and dementia probably outranks what I do, but I have been um, a caregiver. I've helped family members and I have experienced this on a daily basis in the elder care industry. And I know what people go through, both the, the ones that are suffering from the disease and the huge impact that this disease has on anybody involved in the life of somebody who has developed dementia. Um, I think it's probably one of the hardest things that anybody will ever have to take on. 
And the thing, as you know, Lucia, is so heartbreaking is it's a long drawn out process. It's a long course for this disease. My grandmother, for example, lived with it for 20 years. And that was after we even noticed that the changes that were happening with her, the average person lives with it from eight to 15 years. So it's not something that is here and gone tomorrow. It becomes um, like the elephant in the room. It never goes away for anybody, the caregivers, the family members. It's just, it's a difficult situation to be involved in. And I recognize that from having family members and my professional experience. And I wanted to try to make this journey a little easier for others by helping them um, know what I know. Because this information is not easy to find. And somebody said to me once, I was called over to a client's house and her father had been diagnosed with Parkinson's disease. And at the same time, her husband's mother, so her mother-in-law, had been diagnosed with Alzheimer's disease. So they had it on both sides of the family. And the diagnoses came about two years prior to to them calling me over to their house. And we sat there for two and a half hours, and I basically just answered all of the questions that they asked me. And she stopped me after two and a half hours. And she said, Lisa, I need to tell you something. She said, you've got to write a book. And I said, well, I've been thinking about it for a long time. She says, no, I'm telling you, you've got to write a book. She says, you've given us more information, valuable information, useful information in two and a half hours than we've been able to find anywhere in two years. She said, it would be selfish of you not to share what you know with everybody and take it from us. People are desperate for the information because we have not been able to find a reliable source to help us understand this disease and what to expect. So that was kind of the aha moment for me. It was the way she said it to me, but I had been hearing it for years from the other families that I had helped saying, gosh, we just have such a hard time finding um, information that's useful on a day-to-day basis. But the way she said it, it would be selfish of you not to share what you know. And that really was the impetus behind me sitting down and actually putting the pen to paper (laughs) and writing um, this is my second book, and I, I have got to the point. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So again, it was another sign. This is what I'm supposed to be doing. To have this woman call me over to her house and say, "It would be selfish of you not to share." <laughs> and you know, I knew she was right, so I did, and um, I am now almost finished with a training program that I've been writing for a couple of years to help train uh, caregivers and family members on everything that uh, I feel is, is uh, valuable for people to, to be able to navigate the challenges of this disease. 
day in and day out. Actually, I want to ask you something. Like, what can readers expect from reading this book? I would say, and this has been a common realization for me. And again, I have been doing this professionally as a career for 30 years now, but my experience goes back 50 years with my grandmother and then other family members. The one common thread that I have discovered is has been consistent throughout all this time is people really don't understand this disease. Most people believe that Alzheimer's disease is a disease that pretty much exclusively affects short-term memory loss and causes confusion. Mm -hmm. And it is so much more complicated than that. So that's where it starts as far as I'm concerned. And that's what the book really does for people. It helps people understand the disease. It helps them understand what to expect from this disease. It helps them understand the behaviors that show up as a result of the damage being done to the brain caused by the disease. And I think these are all the very basic and fundamental things that people really need to know to be able to cope because things show up unexpectedly on a minute by minute hour by hour, day by day basis with this disease. And a lot of people, unfortunately, don't haven't connected the dots that the birds in the mattress and the rats running along the walls and the men trying to hurt you are all part of the disease. I've actually had many, many family members tell me, oh yeah, my mom has Alzheimer's disease, but she's also going crazy. Well, the crazy part of it is part of the disease. And people need to understand this. This is not a mental illness. This is brain disease. It's damaging the cells in our brains and it's changing our um, ability for cognitive function along the way. It's a slow growing process. But there are so many changes to the people that it's affected. And that's really where people need to kind of have a better understanding, a more comprehensive understanding of how it's going to change their loved one to the point where they will become lost within themselves, but they can still have a very meaningful and fulfilling life. But it's going to take specialized training and skills to make that happen. And it's going to be up to us as the caregivers and the loved ones to be able to provide that environment for our loved ones so we can make sure they have the best quality of life while going through this disease. And it's not a sudden change. People live with this disease and are pretty much asymptomatic or the the uh, the signs and the symptoms are very, very subtle in the beginning. As a matter of fact, most people are not even diagnosed with this disease until they're well into their mid stages because the signs and the symptoms are so subtle in the beginning that doctors really 
have a very difficult time differentiating between it being a serious brain disease situation or just a part of normal aging. You forget your friend's name or you forget where you put your keys. We all do that. I walked into my kitchen the other day and I just stood there and go, why did I come in here? I do it all the time. I I oh. go sometimes to the supermarket. I buy everything that I should not have bought. But you know, when you go to a place and you need to buy something and you arrive at home and you did not buy it, I do it many times. <laughs> yes, I do the same thing. Well, so the listeners will feel hopefully a little bit reassured if that's happening to you, because it happens to all of us. It doesn't necessarily mean that you are developing an Alzheimer's brain disease or one of the other brain diseases that causes dementia. You really need to look for more serious signs of uh, and and, uh, things that will start to interfere with your ability to just live a normal life, to be able to do the same tasks that you've always done. So, because I have so many people ask me, I or or tell me in fear, I think I might be developing Alzheimer's disease, and it's just the little subtle things that have them concerned. Like, oh, I, I was trying to tell a story and I completely forgot the name of the person that I wanted to tell the story about. That's normal aging. It can also be part of Alzheimer's disease, or we'll say dementia, because. There are other diseases that cause those same symptoms, but it doesn't necessarily mean that you're developing it. It's going to really take some um, serious changes in your ability to do things to, uh, to be a true red flag that something more serious is going on. You'll know. You will know if if it's something more serious than just the normal aging process and the forgetfulness that happens to all of us as we age. Lisa, you have been working in this field for over 30 years. What is the biggest misconception of Alzheimer and other dementia? The biggest misconception and I mentioned this a few minutes ago, is that it is only uh, causes memory loss and confusion. And that's what people truly believe. And this is probably the thing that I would I would emphasize um, more than just about anything that's related to this disease is how complicated it really does get. And all these other things, personality changes, behavioral changes, false beliefs, hallucinations. These are all part of the disease. And another myth or misconception that I hear a lot that have been cultivating for decades is that as soon as a person gets a diagnosis of Alzheimer's disease, their life is over, that they'll just automatically the next day not remember anybody or know who they are. And that's absolutely not true. Again, this is a long drawn out disease. People live with it for 10 or more years before they even start to show the very first subtle signs of the disease. And um, the average is eight to 15 years before you get from 
the onset of the symptoms and you really start noticing that maybe there is some cognitive decline happening to where they are at the end of um, the term of the disease and they really need help with all of their activities of daily living. They need full-time care. That's a long, long time in between A and B. So people can truly live very happy, um, fulfilling, meaningful lives in between. And that's what I teach people how to provide for their loved ones and the people they're taking care of. Yeah, it's yeah. like learning a new language. Yes, exactly. And also, it's a myth that people with dementia are no longer capable of experiencing emotions or maintaining a meaningful connection with their loved ones. I don't believe it happens. I think sometimes they cannot like connect in a way that we are used to have connections but i believe that they keep the emotions and sometimes they can... do that is absolutely true studies have proven that i've seen it myself the difference is well the best way to explain that because a lot of family members will tell you well my mom doesn't even recognize me anymore my grandma doesn't know who i am that might be true. It's because their short-term memory is circuiting, short-circuiting out, but they will always know that you have a place in their world. They know they know you somehow. They know you. they are connected to you in some way. They may not be able to pinpoint what that is, but they know that you belong in their life, even if they get your name wrong, or they think you're a, a, a friend from their childhood, or they think that you're um, their sister instead of their daughter, they know that you belong in their life. And they do retain their emotions right up until the end. There's a real living, breathing, feeling human being inside the uh, shell that uh, you are no longer recognizing, but they're there. Mm -hmm. They are there. Yes. And Lisa, you co-authored this book, True and Lies and Alzheimer's with Douglas Collins. Is that I correct? did. Yes. So how did this collaboration come about? Well, I was actually uh, doing some marketing on my first book that I had written way back in 2015. And I was introduced to Douglas um, through uh, a mutual colleague. And he and I, uh, I told him that I wanted to do a new updated version of the book. And he and I just kind of started talking and we were just like this synergistic, um, magical, partnership that that just it's hard it's hard to um to find in another person what I didn't think of he did and vice versa and we both just were so committed to the project and it uh it just kind of unfolded that way and the book is the result of that collaboration and it turned out probably better than either one of us kind of 
initially expected it to. It was a manifest. You too. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Lisa, what do you do to decompress from such serious subject matter? Well, I read a lot. I don't know that I actually do decompress because maintaining an expertise in any subject requires a lot of keeping up with the information. It's a fluid uh, topic. It's forever changing. There's always something new being developed or new information or new research or new information of how best practices of how to do this. So I am constantly researching, but I enjoy it. I, I love it. Some people might think, oh my gosh, that's so tedious. And, and, but I really enjoy it. I'm I don't, I can't explain why I'm fascinated by um, this whole entire topic. So it doesn't feel like work to me that it is tedious at all. I love learning new things. So, um, but I like, I love animals. I love to sing. And probably one of my favorite things to do to decompress is to spend time with my two grandchildren. They bring me so much joy that I, it helps me forget all the troubles in the world. And it's just, you know, being able to experience life through a child's eyes when I'm, you know, an older adult, it's, it's magical. It's absolutely magical. So that's probably what I enjoy doing the most to decompress is spending time with my seven-year-old and my two-year-old grandchildren, a boy and a girl. I don't know what I would do when I have grandkids. <laughs> I would be crazy. They are Just wait. It is probably one of the most wonderful things that can happen to anybody. Somebody told me one time that if I had known that having grandchildren would bring this much joy to my life, I would have had them first. And after I became a grandmother, I knew that that was so true. It's so different than raising your own children. It's just completely different. It's, it's joyful. It really is. And Lisa, uh, are you currently working on anything new you would like to share with us? I'm finishing up the training program and I'm really excited about that because um, just like that lady told me it'd be selfish for you to not share your information. This is going to um, really help people get through this journey on a day-to-day -day basis. It's going to be like a blueprint for people to use to um, know how to deal with the 
challenges that come up. There are best practices. There are um, definite skills that need to be learned. What I have discovered in all of the years I've been doing this is our reactions to a lot of the behaviors that we see and the things that uh, we hear people suffering from dementia say to us and uh, their personality changes are counterintuitive to the way we instinctively want to react to things. So you, we have to retrain our brains to react and respond um, that's not natural to us. And that's what people don't stop to think. And the, the instinctive reactions, and I'll give you an example. A lot of people who suffer from dementia, if their spouse passed away years ago, sometimes they just start talking about their spouse like they're still alive. And our instinctive natural reaction would be to correct them and say, oh, mom, don't you know dad passed away three years ago? What are you talking about? No, that is probably one of the worst responses you can give to a person because in their minds, they 100% believe that that spouse is still living. And if you tell them that that spouse is not living, it could be like they're hearing it for the very first time, not knowing that their spouse passed away. And it could send them into a, what we call a catastrophic reaction and go into a panic. So there, there is a better approach to that situation arising. And this is one of the things that I teach people how to do. It's very important. It's very important to know how to approach these types of things that come up on a daily basis when you have a loved one or you're caring for somebody with dementia. Their minds are not working the same way ours are. So we have to, this is very, very important. We have to learn how to adapt to their new world versus trying to force them to adapt to our reality. Yeah. Can you tell us where we can find these scores and also your book, your books? Yes. So um, I've got a wonderful website called truthliesalzheimers.com. And there will be an announcement made on that website when the course is ready and is will be available for people to um, decide if they'd like to. It's, it's an extensive course and it's pretty much provides just about anything you need to know about this disease and how to navigate the challenges that come along with it. Of course, you can buy it on Amazon. And all the fine booksellers that are available through Amazon. And one of the things that I'm most excited about is, well, it's the most recent version of the book is um, an audio book. And that's, I'm very proud of that. The narrator did such a great job narrating the uh, contents of the story. And the other thing that I think is important um, for your audience to know is we also translated this book, all of our resources into a Spanish version because we learned that 
Um, there are very few resources available to people on this subject in Spanish. So it is available in Spanish, both our workbook and our um, book is available on Amazon in Spanish and also on the, the website www.truthliesalzheimers.com. This book is going to help so many people, Lisa. Thank you. Thank you for writing this book. Oh, thank you. Yeah, uh, yeah I um again I I, I love uh, helping people um, through this situation with um, keeping in mind that first of all they're not alone and to give people a viable resource to uh, be able to get through this because um, it's a difficult situation. Yeah, and it affects the whole family. Yeah. Everybody, yeah. and we need to get prepared because we never know, it's nothing. It's not a disease that we can think ah maybe it will happen but maybe not no it's a disease that can happen and we need to be prepared for that i think that that's probably a critical point that you just brought up the number of people that are projected to develop this disease worldwide in the neck by the year 2050 is going to triple and i can tell you we are not prepared we are absolutely not prepared. I don't think families, like you say, families aren't prepared for it to not come knocking on their doors. And it's going to take knowledge as power and um, the knowledge that hopefully I can provide for people will give them the power to, to get through this and do it in a way that relieves stress and anxiety because that's what most people feel when they have a loved one who's living with this disease. Exactly. Lisa, I hope also that scientists find out how, why and how the incidence of Alzheimer is increasing so much. I know that people are living longer. It is one of the factors, but also... Yeah. I don't know if there is more behind. There are a lot of factors that kind of go into the mix that increase a person's risk of developing it. That's an entirely different conversation, but you are absolutely right. There are many risk factors for that determine whether somebody will or will not develop Alzheimer's disease. Mm. Age is the number one risk factor. So because people are living longer, more and more people are developing it. But there are a lot of other risk factors that we have to take into consideration. But there are things that we can do to uh, manage some of these risk factors or, or modify some of these risk factors that will actually minimize your risk. So yeah, that, that would be um, a completely separate show, I'd say, because it's very, very complex yeah. too. <laughs> So, Lisa, you already invited to come to the... Actually, I am, I'd be happy to go back to Napa to interview you and talk about 
the subject because I think it's it's more than important. So let's plan another interview. I would love that. I would absolutely love that. You seem like you're such a special lady and I would love to uh, meet you in person and have you come see where I live and offer uh, information, more information that will um, help a lot of people too. Wonderful. So Lisa, thank you very much for your time, for sharing your knowledge with us. Actually, I have to tell you, you will be featured in our magazine in April. Yes. The Relatable Voice magazine. And then our listeners will be able also to see, to learn more about you, to see your website, socials, your headshot. It's it's just fantastic. I'm super happy to to be here with you today. Thank you so much. Again, I appreciate you so much for having me on your show. And I'll look forward to meeting up with you again. Yes, it's a deal. Okay. Okay. Thank you very much, Lisa. Thanks, Lucia. You have a wonderful rest of your day. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe so you'll be notified when the next one is posted. Please rate this podcast and share it with your friends. Thank you for listening and remember, relationships don't exist. Relating does. Until next time.